This Can Do podcast is brought to you by Blake Albina Thoroughbred Services. Blake Albina is a full-service bloodstock agency and consignment company representing clients at every major horse sale in the country. For more information, call Ron Blake at 859-396-4836 or Hunsley Albina at 859-621-0800. Whether an experienced owner or a newcomer to the game, Blake Albina has the knowledge and experience to help you achieve your goals in the thoroughbred industry. I got the horse right here. The name is Paul Revere. And here's a guy that says if the web is clear, can do. Can do. This, this is Bill Duncliffe. I want to welcome you back to season six of the Can Do Horse Racing Podcast, where the heroes and history of horse racing come to life. Last week, we introduced you to Melody Dobson and Jody Lamp, who took a vision and with grit and determination, produced the fascinating Born to Rain, that's R-E-I-N, documentary recounting the influence of their beloved prairie roots on our sport of horse racing. Nebraska alone producing luminaries like John Nehrud, Marion, and Jack Van Berg, names now enshrined in our National Racing Museum Hall of Fame, even if the pronunciations on occasion might differ. Uh, John, you know, uh, we talked about um, how he, you know, left high school, and, and I think Jody, you said you graduated from the same school he did, correct? Yes, we both graduated from Minotaur High School, Minotaur, Nebraska. The school was founded or built in 1926. John graduated in 1931, and I graduated a mere 56 <laughs> years later. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't like we were classmates. No, no, I wasn't implying anything. that. <laughs> uh, no, just uh, I'm sure uh, that John, helps. That I'm sure that helped pique your interest as well. That you went to the same school as this famous, you know, this 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 legendary, well, really legendary name. We, yes, and you know, he was called Johnny. There, I think, actually, in in the yearbook um, centennial. Um, there was something about Johnny Nehru and it gave his address, you know, his current address. Okay. It was like 1990 something where they listed all the, all the graduates from every year of the high school. And he was listed as Johnny, you oh, know, right. and uh, yeah. living in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was neat though, too, because I did actually go to grade school with his great nieces and nephew. And his family still lives in the area. A lot of his nephews and nieces, family members. And and I think I mentioned to you that in Nebraska, they pronounce his last name Neard. N-E-R-U-D is pronounced Neard. Neard, okay. And Neard. And the best story, I mean, I tell everybody, and we were told by a family member, Jody, when you go to New York, you pronounce his last name, Nehrud. And I said, why? And he goes, because that's how they pronounce it. I said, okay, I'm going to have to get used to that. So I was constantly in my head going, Nehrud, Nehrud, not Neard. But then when I'm in Nebraska and people see the film, Mm -hmm. that's the first thing they say to me, Jody. Jody, they all, everybody pronounced his name wrong in the film. Oh, that's hilarious. 
Wow. I <laughs> Jody Donner Brothers, and she say, if you would have come up um, to me and told you we were doing a documentary on John Neard, she would have said, I don't think <laughs> she would have laughed us off. <laughs> John Neerud's grittiness and determination is best told through his trajectory from Johnny Neerud and Minotaur High School to the very heights of our sport. So, so John, you know, we talked about that slice of Americana. You know, he he left school, went to North Dakota, Montana, Cuba. I mean, ends up in Saratoga, where his his work ethic, that Nebraska work ethic that we talked about, that's what really kind of impressed people and got him, got him really on his start there. I think from Saratoga, that's where he really his career career really propelled forward, right? Yes, I believe so. And also working, you know, on the Whitney farm, my goodness. Mm. You have to think about that time period, too, where in the 30s, you were just coming out of depression. And then that's the same time period that War Admiral was running at Saratoga Springs at at the Saratoga race course and then Seabiscuit, you know. So I can't imagine, like, being... John and being there during that time, you know, if you could travel back in time, that's exactly where I would go. So I could see that history um, unfold. But I think that anything that would have set him apart, he, he knew, he knew horses. And that was one of the best things I think his family said to us too. Like he could, he could go into a barn and he could look at that horse, that horse, and he'd tell you, runner, that's a runner. No, you know, mm. he could look at their composition. He knew. Yeah. He knew horses. And so I think his knowledge and his a gift, too, you know, I think that he was destined to do what he did. And that. And I think one was, of our interviews, he said he knew what, he knew what a horse needed. Too, I think somebody mm-hmm. he, he could spot the horse, but he knew what the horse needed. You know, that's an interesting quote because that reminds me. Then I'm just going back to when I lived in Cincinnati. The gentleman who at the time was the coach of the Cincinnati Bengals said something that uh, really resonated with me, and it's I think it's really what John was saying too. But this was Sam Weish was his name, and what he said was that to treat everyone the same, you have to treat everyone differently. And that really stuck with me as a manager mm-hmm. of people. And that sounds like really what John was all about too, right? Let's look at this horse as an individual. Let's mm-hmm. figure out what this horse needs. Yes. And I, even the, even the pedigrees that he was able to put together later. And that was something that always stuck out as growing up in Western Nebraska. Did, did I know John personally? No. Did I know his family members? Yes. But as I, as I traveled later in life through work and through pleasure and going to Churchill Downs and just following horse racing, my dad always said, well, when it, whenever in doubt, look at the breeding, and if it breeds back <laughs> okay. to Dr. Fager, right. that's your <laughs> yeah. horse. You know, if you were gonna if you were gonna place a two dollar win bet, you know, it's like if when in doubt, bet on. And I was like, I just took it as common knowledge. Being being there, that um, John was a master of 
putting these pairings of horses together. So knowing, you know, as, as one of the gentlemen that we recorded, interviewed in the film, Terrence Collier, Mm, who was yeah. at the marketing director for Fasic Tipton, mm. who was at the dispersal sale of Tartan Farm in 1990. And he said, you know, just like John came from very humble pedigree, so did the right. Tartan right. Farm line, how it started. But, you know, when you put the right, when you put everybody, like you just said, treat them different or, or, you know, to get the best results out of people, you got to treat them as individuals. And I think that's what John did too, took individual talent and put, put them together and you can make phenomenal teams. Yeah. I want to encourage anyone that is interested to go back. I, I thought I knew something about him. Just an amazing history, right? From, you know, losing the Kentucky Derby with Gallant Man to opening up, starting the legendary Tartan Farm and, and really establishing the breeding industry in the Ocala area, uh, the Breeders' Cup, um, mm-hmm. you know, reaching out to Wayne Lucas when he was a relatively unknown trainer and getting him going, um, giving Bob Baffert advice before the American Pharaohs Belmont. I mean, just uh, an incredible life, uh, really a fascinating individual, and as you said, just from very, very humble roots. Um but you mentioned Dr. Fager, and one of the things that struck me is people talked about John as a rough-and-tumble guy, and I think most, a lot of horse racing fans know that uh, Aspidistra was Dr. Fager's dam, but the sire of Dr. Fager's was actually mm-hmm. rough-and-tumble. Uh, so I, I wonder if that, that name just kind of <laughs> spoke to John in some way, too, by the way. One of the ones that really struck me was... Um, him walking, John Neighbor walking up to D. Wayne Lucas and saying, hey, cowboy, I want to send you some horses. And D. Wayne Lucas had no idea who he was at the time, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it just struck me that, you know, we talked about John, Mr. Nehru knowing horses. He knew he knew people as well, right? You're exactly right. I mean, here D. Wayne says, you know, I had my whole stable of fools, you know, and here's, yeah. Yeah. here's John. John could see his talent. And, you know, that's something that Bob Baffert said, too. We, they were all quarter horse guys. And I think John could see that, you know, they, he could see their work ethic and, and see where they could take that. If you're a fan of grittiness and just plain good horsemanship, the stories of Marion and Jack Van Berg will further whet your appetite for such. The, uh, you know, we talked a lot about John Nehru. The, the Van Bergs are another, you know, from Marion to Jack, now down to Tom, really, in, in, in the current day, right? Um Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a fascinating family history there too and, and Mr. Van Berg Marion he was really much more of a owner than he was a trainer as Jack and Tom ended up being right right it was you know by happenstance <laughs> what, what we learned when he started the the livestock market in Columbus the some of the stories we heard is you know not not everybody could pay him or, or pay their bill. So they would say, Hey, Mary, you want a horse? You know, they got, we got this horse. <laughs> so no, really, he, really. he kind oh. of, yeah, they would oh, give wow. him horses. So right. Melody isn't that what we kind of heard from the family. And that's kind of how he got into the business. So oh. think about that. You know, it wasn't yeah. really 
a path that he intentionally went down, but, but he did, he was like, I've got some good horses here, you know? So, um, they, they really in Nebraska, the Bamberg name and Exarban, um, were synonymous, you know, Omaha, um, there's, there's really no one in America that didn't, you know, know Marion and Jack. And, and I just find it fascinating too, that Marion still holds the record at Oakland for the number of consecutive owner wins. You know, no one has surpassed that yet. Marion had such an eye for a horse. There's a, those that mm-hmm. would compliment. There was a few that actually knew Marion, and so oh, that okay. he really did have an eye Well, I suppose if people yes, want to pay you in horses, you better in have an eye for him, right? Yeah. Yes, and you, you think about, you know, how long Marion has been gone since 19, what, 71? And he was born in, you know, the 1800s. <laughs> but his legacy still is on, you know, that's, that's what is, you know, for Melody and I, like she said, these untold and forgotten stories, you know, maybe, maybe in some circles, but I can tell you that people in Nebraska, um, in general don't, didn't know these stories. And I think when that history has gone and you don't, understand why things are done or how things are done or who did them, then we've really lost a part of America. You know, we, we talk a lot about bloodlines in this, in this sport. And one of the things that uh, struck me is Jack Van Berg. Um, you know, first of all, he's got the bloodlines from Marion and uh, you know, handling horses, but what they always like to, you know, call his trainer tree, the, tra- the trainers that learned their, their skills under him Incredible people, right? Mm-hmm. One thing that we don't really show in the film, and I ho- I don't think you would mind, but what really struck Melody and I when we were talking to Bill Mott and Wayne Catalano and, you know, just their history with Jack and how he gave him a chance and, you know, Gary Stevens saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not just going to give you a leg up. I'm going to give you a job, you know, and, mm. and Bill Mott, at one point, and this was this was the 2018 Kentucky Derby, and and you know at that point he hadn't won a Kentucky Derby yet, and um, that's a whole other story. But <laughs> yeah. at one point, you <laughs> you could see Bill get teary eyed, and then he did just kind of end the interview, <laughs> you know, and walked off. But they, these guys really got emotional yeah. when they were talking about Mary and Jack or John. I mean, they were their best friends. And when they, they can say, they can see it, they can see things change. They can see things kind of, you know, going away from the old school, you know, um, training and, and things that they learned, you know, that they, what we say, you know, the true horsemen. And so there were, there were times they did just get a little emotional and it was so refreshing to see that they weren't they weren't so polished or sharp or you know what I mean in in their interviews that that you could tell that the subject matter was really touching to them. It was unique the fact that they would they were gracious with their time and we went up and introduced ourselves. They immediately said made time for us, 
And if they couldn't do, if they couldn't meet and visit with us right then, they would say, could you come back tomorrow morning or could you come back in 20 minutes and I could talk to you then. They didn't, they didn't uh, brush us aside. They were very, um, just very nice in that, in that matter and just welcoming to talk about these guys. I think I told you when we were talking the other day that, uh, you know, Gate Dancer was one of my favorite horses way back in the in the day. And, um, you know, it, uh, first of all, he got his first start at Exarbon. And after his Kentucky Derby, mm-hmm. or after his Preakness win, I think it was, he actually came back to Exarbon and raced again there, right? So so Jack always kind of stayed true to his his Nebraska roots, didn't he? I believe so. He was he was really upset. Everybody said if you wanted if you wanted to know what he thought about Exarbon, you know, no longer here, uh, don't get him started. You know, so I mean, Jack saw a lot of history go away in his own lifetime too, and and it was um, it's pretty disheartening when that left the area yeah. because Nebraska is, is just not known as known for, for that, the thoroughbreds and the horse racing as much, you know, as you would think of Kentucky or Virginia or now Florida and New York, you just don't equate the state of Nebraska with that. And so when, when Melody and I were thinking, how do we centralize the story? How do we give people a place, you know, to think and to see we, that was one of the other reasons for um, including Marion and, and Jack and John's stories with Sir Barton is because they had these common ties to the middle of the United States. And, and um, yeah, Jack, I think, thought very highly of his roots and, and the opportunity that he got here to, you know, expand and grow his wings and, and venture out and becoming the first mobile trainer as Belmont right. referred to and and really having multiple stables and that was a new thing but yeah he really maximized his time too well I think one of the the uh t- just just going back to I guess the horsemanship right um I remember when Gate Dancer kind of first appeared, you know, on the scene, he, you know, he's wearing this funny looking hood with the earmuffs and, and, but that was, that was Jack, you know, almost like you were talking about with, with Mr. Nehru, right? Um, what does this horse need? And what that horse needed was to not hear the crowd, to not be spooked by the crowd. And I think he actually was probably the first to design that type of hood, which now you see, uh, I'm not saying going to say fairly often, but you see it often enough, but that was just something that he said, this horse needs this, and that's what I'm going to do. One of the best experiences that Jody and Melody had in their travels as they put together their film was the unhesitating support and cooperation of the horse racing world. Yeah, But oh. everybody we met, Bill, was so gracious to us. They were kind and, and helpful, and um, it was, like I say, Jody said it was an honor. It was a privilege to be able to do the story, and the reception... We can't say thank you enough to everybody that that opened the door and helped us. Oh, I was just going to say someone that we've continued to keep in touch with who is hands down the nicest man 
you could ever meet is Carl Nasker. He, he and his wife, Wanda, are just wonderful people. And he came to our screening in Saratoga Springs, came to the National Museum. And when you have National Hall of Fame trainers, you know, unbridled, the, the trainer of unbridled and street sense coming to your film, I <laughs> just look at Melody sometimes and we just shake our heads like I can't even believe it. You know, I just I just love these guys and I just love um that they cared about the story as much as we did. Bill, you'll you'll find it funny when we decided, okay, we're gonna pull the trigger and we're gonna start to working on this film and get the cameras rolling and that. We called Carl first and we asked him mm-hmm. if, if he thought we were nuts. <laughs> we we called several folks to say, should we, you know, go mm-hmm. forward with it? But he was one of the first calls and he says, nope, this is a great story. You guys just need to really um, just dig in and, and go for it. And it's interesting, Carl Nasker, of all people, you know, he really wraps in John Nehrud with, with Unbridled and, and he really kind of brings all of that. Uh, t- together, right? The Van Berg line and the, the Nehrud line, if you will, um, just shows you how interconnected everything is in this sport. You know, and it struck me when you were talking about Bill Mott. As I've gotten older, I like to think I've gotten a little bit wiser. But one of the things that I have concluded <laughs> after watching my dad really was that if after we've left this earth, if people talk about us and they both smile and have a tear at the same time then you've lived a really good life. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Well, yeah. It was interesting. It, it struck me, too, as we were talking when you brought up Bill Mott. Uh, you know, Jack, you know, Bill Mott wins the Kentucky Derby via DQ with, with Country House, right? But the mm-hmm. first person to have a horse de-qual- disqualified in the Kentucky Derby was actually Jack <laughs> and Gate Dancer. So there's another connection there, too, I guess, right? Right. Yes. And it didn't surprise me that it that it happened that way. So um, always, always something, you know, to look for these connecting the dots. And as these things tend to happen, everywhere they went, they ran into their home. Seen ties, you know, like Bob Baffert, American Pharaoh's pony, uh, the his, you know, his little friend Smokey, right? Mm, yeah. He's a quarter horse from Nebraska. <laughs> Oh, oh no like, kidding, really? Oh, so wow, many, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then if you've ever been on the backside of Churchill Downs and you see Harley, that big old, like, draft, kind of Appaloosa-looking okay. horse, his owner is from Nebraska. They ran into their home, and they ran into people that they love. You know, the Bamberg family, they were so beyond helpful. It we we actually started talking to Jack in 2016. We were trying to raise the funds to get to see him. We were still trying to put, you know, the wheels of this project together. And we told him, uh, we're trying to find funders, you know, because we could have went on our own time and dime as we did, as we did much of the time. But we wanted to not get inside ourselves and, and, and we have families we're responsible for and, and work with, I, you know, we have kids and, um, husband. And so 
we have to be accountable to people. So we couldn't just get inside out on this project. So um, we, we had been talking to Jack and telling him what we wanted to do, but the, the, the very first time that we were going to Churchill Downs, we, we had it all set up. And the last conversation that I had with Jack, um, I said, Jack, we, we were coming to Louisville. We're coming to Churchill. It was in November of 2017. And we want to come interview you. Is that okay? And he goes, he said in his, his, his speech was a little compromised at that point. You know, his health had started to go down a little bit. And, and he was talking kind of gruffly <clears throat> and he said, he said, yes, yeah, so we'll see you here. And I said, well, I was like, well, we don't have a pass yet. How do we find you? How do we, how do we get in once we get there? Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, you got my number. Just give me a call. <laughs> 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 and I go, you're right. We will. Okay. Bye. You know, <laughs> uh, so, so I was like, okay, I guess if Jack says we can get in on the backside, we can. So, yeah. um, you know, we went there on faith too, but it was, it was right before, um, that, that his daughter called, she knew I had reached out to her. I mean, I didn't know Tom. I didn't know, I didn't know the kids, but I, I kind of tracked down at one of his daughters and which was trying to make arrangements and trying to get, you know, after we talked about John or excuse me, Jack and Mary and introduced their story in our Nebraska agriculture history book and that we were reaching out to them and we actually debuted our book on on the anniversary of what was Jack's birthday um, in 2017 and we wanted to get him a book and and see him and interview him and and um when Tracy called and said dad's in the hospital and he he won't be able to be there for your interviews I mean, we had all the arrangements made at that point. We were, we had our plane tickets, we had our crew, we had, you know, everything ready to go. And I, I thought, oh, is this, is this the door closing? You know, is this after all these years, are we just not going to be able to do this story? And I said, well, Tracy, I don't know how we cannot go. I know your dad's not going to be there, but what can we do? And she said, well, Tom's there. And I said, who's Tom? You know, she was like, Tom's my brother. He's, he's, he's there and he, he'll talk, he'll talk with you. And, and my goodness, Tom Bamberg, if I, I've, you know, people can talk highly of Marion and Jack. We can talk highly of Tom. He was just That's the most cool. gracious man. Um, and he, he was so accommodating and just so appreciative and, and, you know, it was really, if you see in the film, one thing that people a little inside, when we first interviewed Tom, um, you can see Jack was sick, but Tom was there on Churchill. And, and so there's a point in the film where we're interviewing him before his dad died. And then there's, then we, we came back in May after his dad had passed away and we're interviewing him in the stable and you can, you can see Tom's, um, you know, emotion, I can emotion, you know, you can see like, you never expect 
you know, your dad. So if you go back and watch the film, you, you'll be able to tell in the early interview from November of 2017 before his dad passed away to May of 2018 when we interviewed him again. And you can really see how they had to make a lot of decisions really quickly. But they they decided to continue the Van Berg Racing legacy and 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 continue um, racing there and and having having that opportunity to visit with him at, you know and to tell his help him tell his father's story and to see him continue racing is is a tribute to his heritage as well. I hope you've gotten a good sense for how rich, informative, and heartfelt this wonderful labor of love is. My fervent hope is that you will support the terrific efforts of Jody and Melody by visiting their website, borntorain.com, B-O-R-N-T-O-R-E-I-N.com, and ordering your own copy of their spectacular effort. I guarantee you a fascinating window into a needs-to-be-told, meaningful corner of our wonderful sports history. Jody and Melody are also pleased to announce that their book, a History of Montana Agriculture, A Life of Discovery, will be released by the History Press on May 17th. I promise you this, there is much more thoroughbred history in there than you will think. So I encourage you to not only purchase the DVD, but buy the book as well. Thanks for joining me. We look forward to you rejoining us next week for another edition of our podcast. In the meantime, God bless you and all your loved ones. May good health and happiness, as well as gratitude for both, be yours today and always.